This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. Ah, yes, the magnificent Trolley Sour Bright Crawler, also known as Trollicus Brightolus. The worm's captivating neon colour makes it an easy gummy prey. Trolley! It's a surprisingly sour, invitingly chewy, staggeringly snackable species unlike anything else found on this planet. Eat me! Delicious. Visit trolley.com to shop now. Trolley, eat me! If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's deputy editor and podcast host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers, and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge, and our guests share 10 things we need to know about this special subject. And do listen out for Ethel's bonus episodes, where they also reveal their top cooking tips, hacks, and shortcuts. I'm delighted to welcome Pauline Beaumont to the podcast. Pauline is a passionate bread baker, counsellor and author of Bread Therapy, The Mindful Art of Baking Bread. In the book, she explains how this ancient craft can aid emotional and psychological well-being and also the many ways in which baking our own loaves can teach us valuable life lessons. Welcome, Pauline. Thanks for coming to share all your wisdom with us today. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here, Janine. Um, firstly, could you tell us a bit about you and how your practice as a therapist and your practice as a bread maker came together to create this concept of bread therapy? Absolutely, yes. You know, isn't it funny how the thing that is most important to you often is at the end of your nose and you sort of don't see it? So I started baking bread, I think, probably about 20 years ago now when I had a very different career. I was working in the arts and I suppose I had quite a stressful life. I was coming up and down to London a lot. I had young children um, and I was working in strategy. So I was very much in my head writing documents and all of that sort of thing. And I just remember this feeling that I really, really wanted to make something. I wanted to do something practical, do something with my hands. And for whatever reason, fortuitously, I alighted on bread making as a thing I would start to do. And as soon as I started making bread at home, it felt like I'd absolutely arrived at something that felt so right for me mm. and I found it very grounding and soothing. So I've been doing that for a while and I suppose using it as, as my own therapy yeah. and then 
I was working as a therapist then, having finished my career in the arts, retrained, um, and I suppose bringing those two things together, which seems fairly obvious, took me quite a long time to work out yeah. both that, that from my professional life and then my passion for baking and the fact that I had personal experience of benefiting from it. Mm. Um, those things came together and I came up with a book proposal and then I wrote Bread Therapy. Amazing. And and conversely, you know, many people think that therapy involves therapists, but you're kind of challenging that perception in with bread therapy, aren't you? You're saying you don't necessarily need a therapist. That's that's right. So I wouldn't knock therapy at all. And I think there's a place for it. Mm. Uh, and obviously, I've you know worked in that field for a while now. Um, but the older I've got, the more I've realized that there are so many things that we can do that are highly therapeutic that are not therapy. And actually, I think in um, COVID and lockdown, it's something that came to the surface that people actually recognize that gardening, walking in nature, growing things, yeah. making things, crafting, baking, were things that um, actually gave us a sense of safety and security that were grounding in some way. And there was something about returning to um, to basics, which yeah. is obviously a, a cliche, but nevertheless, it, it seemed to ring true. So um, I'm not saying that making bread is the only thing that's going to be therapeutically beneficial for you when it comes to activities, but it's mm. one of a number of things. And for me, it's very special, I think. Yeah. One of the things that really resonated with me when I was reading your book was the idea of distraction, but unhealthy distraction. So, you know, for me, I can say, oh, you know, I haven't got 20 minutes to start the process of bread making, but then I'll go and doom scroll on Instagram for an hour. And you talk about that in the book, don't you? That it's bread therapy is kind of the antithesis of the digital. Yes, yes. And ironic that here we are talking on a podcast, but, but we're real people talking to yeah, each other exactly. with real voices, not AI at all, <laughs> uh, as we were talking about before. So, um, yes, I think that the greater the distance between physicality and the elements um, which digital technology creates, obviously, mm. there's huge, huge advantages as well, that we're, we are definitely losing something. Mm. So I think that return to first principles, return to the elemental, return to something physical and having that satisfaction of making something from scratch yeah. and from start to finish and having the satisfaction of seeing the end product as well as just the joy of getting your hands into dough and that sort of thing. Yeah, and the like you know the mindfulness of kneading, as you said, there's something about kneading isn't a long process, but it's it's ten minutes, it's fifty minutes, and actually, you know, actually just stopping and doing something for for fifty minutes these days is it's, it's it feels like a bit of a commitment, which is a really sad thing to say, isn't it? It is, but it's absolutely true, and. I think it's astonishing how rare it is for us to do one thing at a time and to actually focus on one thing. You know, most of us are multitasking and listening to the radio while doing something else, whatever it is. Um, And it's actually quite hard. It can be quite anxiety provoking to um, really just focus on one thing. And, And one of the paradoxes of mindfulness is that it's actually through physical things, through our behavior and through our senses that we can develop mindfulness skills. Um, And making bread gives us ample opportunities for um, 
using our senses all the way through from what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're feeling. And, yeah. I, think, and I think the sense of touch is one that yeah, sort of gets lovely. neglected, particularly so in the much. digital world. Yeah. Um, so there's something about the physicality. And, and as you say, 10 to 15 minutes of needing, I think 15 minutes is probably a bit much, I would say, but <laughs> we can't, we can't over-need. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but actually, when you're really paying attention and you notice the change in the texture, the change in the smell yeah. of, the, of the dough as it's developing, those are the sort of subtle things. The scent of flour, you know, I yeah. didn't think flour had a scent, but it does. And yeah. different flowers will smell slightly differently. A rye flower will smell different. To yeah, a I think flour. I think that's interesting. And uh, you mentioned that in the book is, and it's something that I've come to learn from knowing good bread makers who who say to me just trust trust it trust it D- don't add flour don't add flour just keep on working the dough and you'll see it go from being this sticky thing and you might need a dough scraper and you might need to just you know handle it a bit a bit less um but keep going with it and eventually it, it will turn from this sticky thing into this kind of silky dough and but it's just trusting yourself that that's going to happen as well isn't mm-hmm. it and it's 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 this mixture of being an exact science and yeah. actually far from that because flowers vary so much in how well they absorb the liquid. And mm. um, But you're absolutely right. The temptation is to add too much flour. And I think for many of us, having sticky hands can be quite uncomfortable. Yeah. Or everyone's you're thinking it. it's wrong, isn't it? Yes. Something, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> doing a bread-making workshop with someone who's yeah. a surgeon. And I remember thinking, how can you not like having sticky hands? But she didn't like having sticky hands. But by the end of the workshop, she, she could was, tolerate yeah, it. She could tolerate um, it, yeah. But so for some people, it can be quite uncomfortable. But there are so many things that it's worth getting used to. Yeah, um, I love it. Um, let's talk a bit about nutrition because carbohydrates and particularly bread often get a bad rep. Um, can we talk about how making your own bread challenges these assumptions about nutrition and health? Oh, absolutely. It maddens me when you hear people talking about, you know, consigning bread to to the bin as just just something that's not nourishing. Because, of course, there's such a huge difference between factory made processed bread and bread that you make yourself. Often, you know, lovely bread from proper bakeries is is wonderful, too, Mm. of course. But um, in a way, if we want to improve the nutritional value of bread and make it as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. Not all of us can afford to spend six, seven pounds on a wonderful, great big sourdough bowl from a wonderful bakery. But if we make our own bread, then we're in control. We are not going to be adding emulsifiers and extra enzymes and all of the improvers that commercial processes include, um, including vast quantities of yeast as, as well. I mean, I think there's quite a lot of evidence that people who, for example, think they're gluten intolerant are actually intolerant to some of the other things in manufactured bread. So when you make your own bread, you know exactly what's going into it. And uh, we understand so much more now about the role of fibre in gut health Mm. and then the role of gut health and a healthy gut microbiome in relation to our mental health as well as our physical health. And that's Mm. why it's so important. So actually making our own bread and enriching it with a diversity of grains yeah, and adding seeds yeah. and all of those things, we can actually make it a powerhouse of nutrition. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether you're making sourdough, which some people clearly um, benefit from in the sense of digestibility. Definitely, yeah. Um, 
but make, making yeasted bread as well, or even you know the the quickie and and uh, making soda bread, yeah. you can use wholemeal flour. And um, one of the things I do is act as an advisor for the sourdough school. Okay. And one of the big lessons from uh, Vanessa Kemble's work is looking at how you can just get so many different oh, diverse grains. Oh yeah, I think grains. I've seen that. It's, she does something called this the the. Botanical blends. Yeah, of, of, and, and she gets so many different varieties of like wild yeast, um, flowers and yeasts and Absolutely, grains and stuff in, yeah. into her bread, doesn't she? And that's what our gut microbes love, variety yeah. of different fibres and, and natural plant materials. Yeah. Um, so you can use your bread making to actually enhance the nutritional value of, of your meals. I love that. Um, that's great. So it's sort of the opposite of yeah. the received wisdom in a way. Yeah. <laughs> And one of the things I picked up from your book was the concept of lifelong learning and how important that is for cognitive health. Um, so basically, we're on a journey that's better if there's always something new to discover, and bread plays into that, doesn't it? It does. It's, I mean, in one way, it's always the same, but it's always different. And uh, yeah. if we think of every food culture around the world has bread in it of some sort or other. Uh, so there's so much to learn. Mm. And then as you've suggested already, you know, it can be quite capricious. It can be quite sort of, oh, why did that happen? Or <laughs> suddenly something hasn't risen properly because there were so many variables yeah. from the, you know, I wouldn't have been wanting to bake bread in London the last couple of days because it would have proven in about yeah. five minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. been so hot. so hot. And I come from, you know, North Northumberland yeah. and quite often I've discovered one of my latest proving methods is even on a cold day, put it in the car. Okay. The car, the car it's up warmer. Quite nicely. Yeah, it's got, a, it's got a nice kind of, yeah, so, insulation you know, to it. You yeah. find heat where you can in yeah. the north. Um, <laughs> So, so yes, there are so many variables, so many things to learn. Yeah. And I think that that's such a wonderful feeling that I think it's, it's, it's a little bit like restricting the area. So in the same way that if you're writing a sonnet, you know, you've got 14 lines and there's something about the discipline of that, which yeah. allows great creativity within the form. Yeah. So there's something about having myself having chosen bread is the thing that I'm really going to focus on that there feels to be just infinite variety of things to try yeah. and things to learn yeah. and I just love the idea that I will go on baking bread until I die or until I'm too ill or infirm or whatever to do it and that I will be going on learning all yeah, the way through all the way that. through and adding into your because it's it's like you said you you master a basic loaf you master the process and then it's just infinite varieties and you can keep adding to it. You can bake a different loaf every week, every day, probably even. Yes. Um, there's a lovely bit, you mentioned it before in, in the book, where you talk about bread from all over the world and how much it means to people and and how it, it's like the cornerstone of so many cultures, you know. And I think that's, you could do like a world, a global tour of bread, basically, couldn't you? And just cook your way through all of it. I love it. And that kind of feeds into creativity and experimentation, doesn't it? Because... Um, as I said, it, it's just the beginning, the basic loaf. It is. And I'm not a great mathematician myself, but I remember once asking somebody who was better than me, you know, if you have, say, five different flowers and 10 different seeds, mm. you know, how many permutations can you get for that? And it was already sort of more or less infinite <laughs> yeah. before you even started adding spices yeah. or fruit or anything like that. Um, 
And so experimenting is is wonderful and allowing yourself to make mistakes yeah. because not everything will work. Um, I love making bread with vegetables, uh, using root vegetables like beetroot that are hard and using them grated raw mm. in the recipe. But of course, it adds to the moisture, moisture content. Yeah. So you getting that balance right so that you've still got a decent crumb mm. and it's not just like a soggy clouty pudding or something. <laughs> um, you know, it's, 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 it's difficult. Yeah. Um, and I think in a way that leads to one of the life lessons, which uh, to me seems particularly helpful and powerful from bread therapy, which is this idea that it's actually when things go wrong mm. that we can learn to be kind to ourselves and to tolerate it and think, well, actually, whatever you're learning, yeah. there's, it's not always going to be a success. And I think many of us uh, have a tendency to be a bit harsher with ourselves than we are with other people. True. And... Um, you know, that relates to childhood and the sort of voices we use to talk to ourselves. And mm. um, so cultivating a kindly inner voice and being compassionate towards ourselves is a really important building block of good mental health. And actually learning to accept with equanimity when things go wrong. Uh, yeah, you just... said calm, calm acceptance. I was, I was going to pick you up on that because yeah. I remember when I was at college, one of my tutors saying to me, um, just make a mistake. You're allowed to make mistakes. Like you're so you've terrified yourself into not working because you're you're so scared that you're going to do it wrong. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like in doing it wrong, you could learn something else. You could create something different. Yeah. I mean, I did fine arts. So it was a bit esoteric, but but it, I was getting to that point where I was like, I can't do this because if I do this, and and it's a it's such a great lesson, isn't it? Like mm -hmm. just make a mistake. It's fine. It's one of the things, Janine, that. Um, was one of the, the commonest presentations when I was working with students yeah. in, a, in a well-being department was um, perfectionism, which mm. often has its roots in, you know, for many of us in low self-esteem, where the way of coping with that is is by um, trying too hard, yeah. feeling you have to prove yourself. Um, and it can be immobilizing because you can get to the point where the fear of something not being perfect or not mm. being good enough stops you doing it at all. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I would do with students who were struggling with that would be forcing them to write rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> just to, and so doing morning writing and things like that. So yeah. that it re, no one's going to read it. It doesn't matter. But just to give yourself the experience of writing something that's not perfect. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same the same in bread making that we can uh, it gives us plenty of opportunities mm. to accept that sometimes things don't work out as expected. Yeah. And that that's a great if we can practice it with little things, um, it helps us to adopt the same pattern with more more yeah. important things. And you said, you know, even if your loaf's a bit flat or it's a weird shape or it's under baked or over baked, it's still going to be edible. You know, you'll still be able to toast it and it'll be beautiful and you made it. Yes, I don't think, I don't think I've ever thrown bread that I've made away. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've done things like, you know, I've misjudged the baking of a loaf. And of course, once you've taken it out of the oven, mm -hmm. you can't really put it back in again because if you think about that gradient of heat that's coming in and in and into the centre of the loaf, yeah. when you take it out, you're breaking that gradient. Yeah. And you put it back in again, you risk it overdoing on the outside and still not getting through and to the inside. inside. Yeah. So I have actually sliced the outside of a loaf and I'll put the middle back in again. <laughs> I love it. But, you know, there's no rules and about it works. There's no things. rules. You know, yeah. you're, you're the one eating it. You can decide whether it's, it's worthy or not. And it still tastes fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Can we talk a little bit about self-care because and how bread baking feeds into that? Because um, you talk about that in the book, don't you? I do. And I think that there's something about giving yourself good, nourishing food mm. that is saying to yourself that you're worth looking after. And I think it's it's just so important. Um, we often think we're going to, you know, treat ourselves or soothe ourselves by eating the sort of food which is not very good for us. And I'm not saying for one minute that we should outlaw cakes and sweets and things no. like that. And culturally, that's, you know, we've grown up to mm. reward ourselves. You know, if you if you eat your dinner, then you can have, have a nice pudding, pudding yeah. and that yeah. sort of thing. And if you're good, you can have some sweets. All of that sort of thing teaches us um, that there's something rewarding about those sorts of things. And there's a lot of evidence now that um, in evolutionary terms that, you know, we're absolutely designed to uh, desire sweet things yeah. because we think winter's coming when all the oh, fruits so are there in autumn. Put our, so, yeah. yeah, put our winter fat on, basically. Yeah. That's right. But, of course, uh, in our obesogenic environment... We don't need which to. Food, yeah. Winter never comes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but um, so... Thinking about, I suppose, the longer term rather than just the short term mm. and, and, and actually being good to ourselves. Yes, we have the occasional treat, but actually more regularly giving ourselves good nourishing food, good quality food mm. is a way of um, telling ourselves that we're worth looking after. And I think yeah. that that's very important. And, and not just us. There's another aspect, which is reaching out and sharing bread with the wider community, with friends, with family is a lovely thing to do as well, isn't it? And it causes connection. I know the other week I made a, a massive focaccia and took it around to my friend's house. And I've never seen anyone be so... And, and she kept sending me messages about, your bread's incredible. You should set up a bakery. And I was like, well, it wasn't really about that. I just wanted to make... Focaccia is really easy to make. But she loved it. And I got so much pleasure back from that. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. And I think people just appreciate something that you've made for them by hand. And there's something about focaccia, which is such a gorgeous bread to make, and the, the sticking your fingers in the dough. And, and again, yeah. you know, so many variations of um, what you can put on top of it. But you're absolutely right. It's, it's a great way of, of connecting with other people and sharing bread. And mm. obviously the word companion comes from that concept of with bread and sharing bread with people. Um, I think that I rarely, when I go when I when I go to visit people, I often take bread for a present. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, people really appreciate it. I've yeah. made bread with people's initials on for birthday presents. It's going to be my things. new thing. I'm not taking <laughs> brownies anyway. I'm going to take focaccia because I think it's so surprising, and it's also so delicious to have this homemade thing that, you know, let's face it, if you bought it at the posh bakery the size of the focaccia I made would probably cost you about 16 quid. Well, that's and it's right, just ridiculous. because they sell it in little squares. Yeah, they do, they? yeah. So, so I, I just love that idea, and I think it's, it's one that we can all get behind. Mm. Um, finally, I love that the fundamental message you say about bread therapy is, is hope. Yes, yes. Um, every time I get a loaf of bread out of the oven, yeah. um, I just take it as a reminder that transformation is possible because I know what I've started with. I've started with inedible flour and water and salt and yeast or whatever. And and you end up with this golden, wonderful loaf of bread yeah. that you can share with other people, that you can feed yourself with. And um, reminding myself that 
that transformation has happened reminds me that mm. I too can transform, that we all can and that change is possible. And I think that, you know, it's another existential reality in the, in the same way that, you know, it's really important to recognise that we are all flawed. We all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. And it's yeah. OK. We're meant to be like that. I love that yeah. And we can be kind to ourselves and yeah. just accept that that's how it is. You know, we can also accept that there are some things that that we can't change, some yeah. things which are givens. Um, and there are other things that we're actually free to change and do something about. But we sometimes get into a muddle about which is which and we sort of treat things that we can't do anything about as yeah. something you know, that we desperately want to change. And then there are other things that we actually are free to change and we somehow don't recognise that. Get stuck, yeah. Um, so recognizing that that change is always possible um, is a really, really important thing mm. to, to accept, whatever age you are. Yeah, I love that. It's a brilliant thing to end on. Um, thank you so much for coming to chat to us today. I've been really inspired to go and bake some bread this weekend. I even went and bought some seeds last night after finishing your book. Um, and I'm going to make one of the, the recipes, which has got lots of nice, healthy Got friendly things in um, and I think it'll really help people listening to this as well um, so where can our listeners keep up with what you're doing if they want to kind of follow your your bread journey and your well the main thing is on Instagram yeah. um, and it's Pauline M Pauline Mary Beaumont Pauline Mary uh, Beaumont we can put that in the show description for people yeah. but um, thanks again for coming to chat to us Pauline it's been really lovely lovely thank you cool that was fab. That was amazing. Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.